0: Here
1: nice. right on time. How welcome, huh? Hi.
0: How
1: are you? Hi. Nice to, to see you. How are
0: yeah. you? I'm good,
1: thanks. How are you? You look great. Thanks. Hey. Would you like some coffee?
0: Sure, please. Okay. Well, where do you want to start? Um I can I can suggest something, but you can just go. Yeah, through. go
1: ahead. Go ahead, suggest something, please. Well, how about we talk about met and how we met.
0: Um, Oh, that's a good one.
1: I'm actually trying to remember. I think you emailed me.
0: (gasps) Oh my God, Marlo responded.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I first met my friend Emma two years ago, the same week she moved to Seattle to start a new life. We arranged to meet at a conference being held downtown called Gender Odyssey. I was attending with my 9-year-old transgender daughter. It was Emma's very first day out in the world as a woman. She was 61 years old.
0: Yeah, so I was pretty pretty nervous, but you and I had lunch.
1: Mm-hmm. With my daughter?
0: Yeah, and that was just a ball. That was just fantastic.
1: Emma and I became friends. You look nice, uh, by the way. That's a really pretty sweater. Thanks. She is so much fun and so easy to talk to.
0: Banana Republic. I really like it. Well, thanks.
1: (laughs) But it's also undeniable that there's something else that draws me to her. And that's the fact that half a century ago, Emma was just like my daughter.
0: Yeah, so I remember um, like, being in nursery school. So when I was little, I wanted to be a ballerina. I liked to wear little dresses and I liked my little pony. But I also wanted to be a princess, Mm -hmm. desperately. And I liked fairies. I still do. (laughs) And in in kindergarten, I, I wanted to play with the girls. I felt sad when people
1: called me a boy name and didn't understand.
0: And so I would go and play with them and they didn't really want me to. And, uh, and so I played their dog. I didn't like that. I was like the house dog. and um, I didn't feel like who I was. I don't know. It was, it was only fulfilling in a little bit of a way. And I wanted to be a girl.
1: This is where my daughter's story and Emma's story, which started out so very alike, begin to diverge.
0: I was probably about 12, 11, something like that. And I found myself I I found myself drawn toward sewing clothes, girl clothes for myself. I went and got my mother's sewing basket. I went into the into the rag drawer and I and I sewed by hand while watching TV.
1: What did you make?
0: I made a romper, kind of. I just had a like crappy terry cloth because they were rags, and I just wanted to. And then I would wear them and watch TV. I was really drawn, you know, toward the uh, the female characters, like on *I Dream of Jeannie*. I used to dream that I would be in a bottle with her. <laughs> Being another, you know, kind of a junior genie, or I'd watch Star Trek, and, and there's one where Kirk, you know, traded bodies with this this beautiful woman, and I thought that would be fun. I used to love watching these go-go girls dancing, like in these cages. We had these dances in the '60s that were, you know, like the the watusi and that sort of thing. <laughs> And they had, you know, these mini skirts, mini dresses on, and, and they'd be kind of, they'd, they'd be dancing. And I just, I thought that would be great. Oh, I knew what I was going to talk about. Uh-huh. Is suicide. So, um, I, from the time when I was a child, I was, um, I definitely had suicidal ideation.
1: From a child? Yeah. How young were you?
0: Elementary school. Hmm. And certainly, you know, through adulthood. But there was a time about two and a half years ago where I really, I really, really, I had it all figured out. And I don't need to uh, to provide the details, but basically, well, the problem was I, I fell asleep, and so I sort of <laughs> sort of lost my chance. I was just so deeply ashamed of myself. I was so deeply ashamed of my feelings, ashamed of my—I don't know, just my core being. I—I I don't know. Are you okay? Yeah.
1: Do you want to take a break?
0: No, I'm okay. But it's just the it's just the honest to God truth. I mean, you know, it's hard to be trans. It really is. As a young adult, I knew I was depressed and I started seeing therapists and I would talk to them about my depression, but I wouldn't talk to them about this shame because I was too ashamed to know. talk to them. Even a the therapist? Yeah. I I was just too ashamed. And then I had clothing and my my wife, uh, she would find it, and then there would be a problem.
1: You had women's clothing you bought, and you hid it.
0: Yeah, and then I would throw it away, and and think, okay, this time I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna do that again. I, I finally got, I finally got religion, and then I just, I couldn't help it. I just, I just couldn't yeah. help it. It was like, I don't know, just feeling normal, just good, just even for a short time. finally reached a point where I was really doing badly and poorly in my life and my wife uh, we weren't doing very well in our marriage and she said you got to go back to therapy and and so we found another therapist whose name is David and I went to him and I, I sat across from him I'll never forget and I, and I said okay I said this time I'm going to go open kimono. Um, <laughs> I said, I said, but you got to understand, this is going to be really, really hard. And I said, so I need patience and, uh, and encouragement. And, and he goes, well, he says, I'm all ears. And so over the next um, few months, I would very slowly tell him about one more shameful thought, one more shameful um, experience or fantasy or whatever. Shameful, you mean
1: related to? Relating to yeah,
0: like like fantasies when I was a kid or, or or wearing clothing or wishes and dreams. And he was a very he's a very very experienced psychologist or the PhD and so forth. And he said he's a few years older than me, so he's been around a long time. And he goes, you know, I've never had a trans client. He said, So, you know, we're learning together. <laughs> and and so it was it was fun. Like he was like, Oh, this is really interesting. Tell me more. Or like one time I told him I was collecting all these clothes and I had them in a box. And I couldn't wear them outside, you know, at that time. And uh, he said, Well, why don't you bring the box in? And, you know, it seemed really scary. I mean, you know, and, and so I brought in the box and I, and I said, Well, here's this. And he'd go, Oh, that's really nice. he go, Tell me about it. And, uh, and oh, that's pretty. And he was, he's a tease, too, because he'd be funny. He'd go, go What do you call that fabric? And I go, I don't know. And he'd go, You better learn. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He accepted you open kimono with open arms.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly.
1: (laughs) I mean, what a beautiful thing. It makes me want to cry.
0: He's amazing. I didn't want to hurt my wife. We've been married for, for 20 years. But I got to the point where I really needed to discover what my authentic self was. We loved each other very dearly and and we still do, but basically this just didn't work for her it just it was uh just something that wouldn't work and um so we agreed to get divorced I mean we actually we held hands when we were seeing the mediator and uh and the mediator's like, oh, this is an interesting picture, and I go well <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and um yeah." My initial plan was to drive all the way up to Alaska and then kind of do a zigzag across the United States until I, you know, found the place that I wanted to settle in. I thought about going, like, into Colorado and buying, like, several cheap acres in the middle of nowhere and building a tiny house and just living there. And then at least there I could live Authentically alone. Yes. But I like I mean this sounds of so cliche, I mean, but I like people. I like to I like to be around people.
1: At age sixty-one, Emma bought an RV and hit the road.
0: I mean it's it's scary to go off on these journeys.
1: She left behind her twenty year marriage.
0: It's like you know Star Wars, right? I mean, you know, Luke didn't want to be a hero.
1: And the place she had called home her entire life.
0: I mean, you didn't really like living on a farm on that planet, but at the same time, you, you know, you got to go off and um, challenge yourself. She eventually
1: made it to Seattle, where some old friends lived.
0: She goes, well, you know, Seattle is the trans mecca.
1: And they talked her into staying.
0: And uh, I said, really? I said, well, good to know.
1: And then right before I met her,
0: it's just sort of like everything sort of fell into place
1: she began her transition.
0: And so I made an appointment uh, to start seeing a doctor, and, uh, and we started low-dose hormones. And lo and behold, I felt really good. Uh, it just felt fantastic, and it never stopped.
1: So what uh, did, can you describe how that
0: felt? Kind of a peace um, at home in my skin.
1: After starting the hormones?
0: Yeah. It just, it just felt good. Yeah. It just felt really good. This one friend, she took me on my first shopping experience to Nordstrom Rack and to Sephora. And oh my God, what an experience. I mean, I could actually, not only could I go and look at all of these clothes, close up, you know, I could actually take it off the rack, and I could look at it without, I don't know, I mean, before I used to feel like I'd be like, you know, there'd be some sort of a fire alarm that would go off, and now I can, I could buy anything, so I started seeing a fantastic voice coach, because my voice, well, it was clearly masculine, and I knew that, you know, kind of disappointingly, that hormones weren't going to uh, change it, I would go to her office every week for an hour, and she sort of educated me about, about pitch and intonation and inflection. I had to learn how to speak, how to get the words out in, 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 a, in a more feminine way, but she's great. She also taught me how to walk. She did? Yeah, it was really fun. We went out in her hallway, and, and she goes, okay, walk down the hallway. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I, I kind of did, and I walked back, and she goes, uh-uh. So she taught me how to walk. She taught me how to stand at a street corner. Wow. Yeah. i tell you one thing, and I don't, I don't know if you can mm-hmm. keep this or not, mm-hmm. but, you know, we were talking about going to the bathroom, you know, going to the ladies' room, and I said, I, said, I have one, you know, awkward question to ask, and she goes, oh, okay, and, and I said, so let's say I'm in a stall, and there's another woman in the stall next to me, and I fart. um, Does it sound the same? (laughs) And she goes, she goes, yes. She goes, trust me, we all fart. It all sounds the same. (laughs) Because I was like, what if it's like a deeper fart? And she said, no, no, don't worry about it. She goes, just fart away. (laughs) That's not where I thought that was going. But it was really hard for me to use my feminine voice in public. It was hard for me to even use it by myself. I was just so self-conscious, so utterly, utterly. And I had this mantra. It says, whenever we feel fear, it means we're up against some kind of wall. And on the other side of the wall... Is some kind of freedom, yeah. and I would I would repeat this to myself, a half a dozen times, yeah. kind of like as I was going into a store, mm-hmm. like if I was going to Starbucks, so I'd I'd, I'd say this to myself over and over, and I go, okay, and I go in there and I go, I'd like a tall Pike, you know, uh, with no room, please, and um, this guy didn't fall. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they didn't, you know guffaw and laughter or 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 anything like that and and um they got me my coffee <laughs> you know
1: and eventually it became
0: it became easier that's all now i just i mean for the most part i just kind of go about my life mm. you know like my father used to say with my bare face hanging out i um <laughs> i just um you know it is I am what I am, you know. Yeah. One thing I'm very sensitive about is making other people feel uncomfortable. So it's like it's like they talk about, you know, going I go to the women's room everywhere I go. I just go in there and I do my business and wash my hands and I leave. I don't I'm 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 sensitive about you know, maybe running into another woman inside, you know, the the public restroom. I just don't, I don't want her to feel, you know, any discomfort from my presence.
1: How have you been received by the world so far? How's Emma been received?
0: I would say very well. Um, By the end of September of 2017, I was presenting all the time as female. And as I would walk around, sometimes, you know, women would be walking toward me and sometimes they'd give me just a big, 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 very friendly grin. And as if kind of bonding with me in a way to say, hey, you know, I understand.
1: Do you think they know you're transgender?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that everybody does. Really? Yeah. I think so. I, I, um... Yeah. I mean, I think that... I frankly think that my voice is a giveaway. I think that my my face, I have a, a, a high forehead, and my shoulders are broad, my, my height is, you know, is, is high. Um, and, yeah... I was just misgendered a week or two ago at the pharmacy. The, um, the gal said, and I was actually buying, um, picking up a prescription for estrogen uh, patches, and, and you know, I've changed my, my name and gender uh, legally. So you know, on the bottle it says Emma, and I've given her my driver's license I think, but she called me sir, and um, yeah. That hurt, and uh, it just does, and it sort of it 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 takes a takes a couple of days for the hurt to sort of decay. Even as we, as she was very sincerely apologetic uh, after I corrected her, but it still it still sticks with me for a couple of days. Sometimes I'd see women, and they I don't know, kind of scowl or you know roll their eyes or something and mm-hmm. you know what i did which worked pretty well was i learned to just flash them a really big grin and then it was like they couldn't help it they was like they they they'd find themselves grinning back almost like like they didn't want to but they sort of had to wow yeah it was kind of fun
1: oh my god look at the time do you want to come with me to get her at school Sure. All right. It's a pretty short walk from our house to my daughter's elementary school. When we rounded the final corner and could see the school up ahead, we were suddenly joined by other parents streaming in from all directions. And a long line of cars was snaking slowly into the parking lot. Emma paused and turned to me and said, Is this going to cause a problem for your daughter if I'm here? She offered to walk back to the house alone and wait there for us.
0: All of a sudden, I was was just sort of overcome with, you know, how is this going to reflect on you, on your daughter? Because, you know, the other kids might notice something or ask or tease or, you know, kids can do that sort of thing. You know, and adults can... You know, I mean, people can react and I don't know, maybe there might be some sort of blowback. I just thought, well, you know, kind of better safe than sorry. So I asked.
1: I felt like I was,
0: anyway, it felt like
1: a little bit like the elephant in the living room. Yeah. And you just kind of brought it up, and I, I I didn't know how to respond, but I immediately thought, well, I kind of was wondering about that, but I wasn't really wanting to think about it. Or right. thinking, my daughter's really stealth. My da- You know, no one knows here in this neighborhood. No one, and it's not like, um, I guess it's that line between, how do I be a loyal friend to people like my daughter, and support my daughter's wish to be private and undisclosed you know do i do i hide people like her that i love in order to protect her that's really messed up
0: i would have been happy to have walked back and just um waited i just you know it wouldn't have been a big deal really i mean yeah i mean because i mean to some extent I was putting myself out there a little bit too, right, with a bunch of strangers, sure. children and, and parents and so forth, um, and um, I mean, so in some ways it would have been the, um, you know, an easy answer for me too, just to um, have hung, hung back. Um, and
1: I just felt like a heel.
0: Oh, you shouldn't. Oh, really?
1: I just feel very conscious of not wanting to throw other generations under the bus.
0: I'm just not seeing it as a really big deal. I think that, you know, I suppose what I would have hoped is that you would, you know, might feel that, hey, it's fine. Because if somebody else later on says, hey, that person you were with, um, are they trans? And you could say, oh, yeah, yeah, actually she is. And, and then, who knows, that might even open a door to having a discussion with that person. Yeah, I actually have uh, a trans friend. We're good friends. And I have others, too.
1: I'd know who my friends were, wouldn't I? Yeah. Mom! Hi, kitty cat. Hi. Hi, Mom, we did math today. We did math. So, this woman brings
0: her pet hipster to the vet and the vet says, it's dead.
1: And she says, I want a second opinion. So, uh Do you see yourself in my in daughter?
0: And nudges it and sniffs it, gives a little
1: whiff and
0: shakes its head. It's dead. The woman asks for a, um,
1: for a third opinion.
0: Yeah, in some ways. A little, um, little tabby cat comes in and nudges it I, and it and shakes her head. And I wonder sometimes if she sees herself in me. She said, and the vet says, yeah. You had a checkup. And a I feel car. a special connection. And a CAT scan. With her. Oh. <laughs> I really do. I, um. <laughs> okay. I really like her. I just see her as being. I can tell you another one. Really alive and, and, um happy little girls, yeah. so uh, those are good. and that would have been a lot different than what I experienced, I mean, um yeah, I kind of felt myself getting a little misty-eyed there, you know, uh, I mean, I can't, there's a lot I could look back on, yeah, and, um, you know, kind of get mired in that, and uh, I'm looking forward. Wait, can I tell you another joke that's really bad and hilarious? Of course. Okay. You better have a glass of wine. There was a man whose lucky number was five. (laughs) His (laughs) what number?
1: Lucky number was five. I'm Marlo Mack, and this is How to Be a Girl. My amazing editor is Whitney Henry Lester. Thank you, Emma for sharing your story with me and with my listeners and thank you to my supporters on Patreon if you'd like to support this podcast too please check out patreon.com and search for Marlo Mack we'll be back with more episodes maybe not very soon but as soon as we can until then take good care and thank you so much for listening. Hey. hey
0: This is our good friend Emma. This is oh, nice to
1: meet you What do you think it's gonna be like to be a grown up transgender woman? Special.